Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. With your host, Brandon Okuma. We are getting closer to not having to see election ads as midterms are now closing in. Candidates continue to take swings at each other. Joe Biden threatens the Saudis. Bloomberg confirms there is a 100% chance of a recession. Boston College creates a new COVID strain, and Tulsi Gabbard leaves the Democratic Party. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Let's Go Brandon Okuma podcast. Thank you again for listening. And yes, the time is almost here. The time is almost here for us not to have to listen to these dang campaign ads anymore. Am I right? Only a few more weeks, people. We just got to push through. Make sure to get out and vote. Vote for change because anything right now is better than what we currently got. And don't be one of those people who says, no, I'm not going to go vote. It doesn't matter. It's not going to do anything like I'm one person. Well, when you get 10, 20, 30,000 people who say that same exact thing, it's definitely going to make a change if those people did decide to vote. Don't be one of those people, because if you don't go and vote, then you shouldn't have an opinion on what's going on. Now, things are pretty crappy, right? You don't have to answer my question. Uh, I already know they are. Midterms are among us, and I encourage you to look at what is going on in your state. Look at your family, whether you have one or not. Look at yourself and decide how you want your future to be, how you want your future to be for your children, how you want your future to be for yourself. Because I think in this last election, there was a lot of people who voted recklessly. I think there was a lot of reckless voting going on where people didn't really dig into policies, where people didn't really didn't dig into what might be good for me in the future instead of just saying, this guy's a jerk, I'm just not going to vote for him even though things are good, and he says all these mean things, so I'm going to vote for the other guy because he doesn't say these mean things, even though he does, and he's got some sketch stuff going on with his family. So, I live in Nevada. Nevada has definitely had its fair share of problems the last few years. Nevada is democratically ran. During COVID, Nevada had the highest unemployment rate. We had an extended COVID lockdown because our governor decided that he wanted to be like California, Oregon, Washington, and basically just do whatever they did because things over there are going so well. We have had an increased homeless population. We have skyrocketed rent. We're one of the top states with the highest gas prices, and there are many people that are stressed out. And I'm sure the same thing's going on in other states, but that's a little rundown on mine. The first thing I want to do for all my fellow Nevadans out there is play this clip. It is a clip between the two governor candidates currently. Current governor, Sisolak, who is a Democrat, and running against him is Joe Lombardo, Republican. So this clip is just them. They're kind of having a sit down. I wouldn't really call it debate. More of a casual back and forth. Take a listen. I see these signs out there. I don't think they're put up by you tying you to Joe Biden. Uh, uh, and, and I know you're a supporter of Joe Biden. I am. Um, do you think he's a great president? I think he's a very good president. I think he inherited a lot of problems. And you're right. I didn't put up those signs. That's a trick by my opponent to put up those signs, which I appreciate the name ID that you're giving me, Sheriff. Uh, you're welcome. I think President. Thank you. Uh, so, so you did put up the signs, right? We're agreeing on that one, at least. Yes, there's oh, there's there's signs that are put up by the Lombardo campaign tying you to Joe Biden. We, well, why are you embarrassed? You why are you embarrassed about I'm that? I'm not embarrassed about okay. it. But then you should put on his name, put up by the Joe Lombardo campaign. Let's not let's not go off on a tangent okay. here. I want I want you to talk about Joe Biden. I thought it was about Donald Trump. No, you're you're talking about Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden inherited a lot of problems from Donald Trump that he's working through. What happened on January 6th, the insurrection, is something that I think drove a wedge in this country that is uh, really disappointing. It's pulling people apart as opposed to putting people together. Uh, 
a lot of what is being, you know, he's being accused of these inflation situations are not necessarily his fault. I mean, he doesn't control the price of gasoline no more than I control the price of chicken and ground beef at the stores. So I think that the president has done well with what he's been presented with. He's continuing to move forward. And it's tough decisions he's had to make. Uh, many polls show fewer than 40 percent of the people in Nevada uh, have a, a good feeling about Joe Biden. But you still have a good feeling about Joe Biden. I think that he has done well with what he was given. I do believe that. I th- have you asked him to come campaign for you down the ha- home stretch? No, but I can tell you uh, he's welcome to come to the state of Nevada. He's welcome to come to any state in the country. This man is delusional, possibly almost as delusional as Joe Biden is. When he says that Joe Biden has no control over basically anything, he is lying. Policy, policy, policy. Crappy policy leads to crappy results. We are experiencing this currently. And with policy, the spending, the outrageous spending that Joe Biden and the Democrats have continued to do in this short 18 months. Spending like they are leads to inflation. He also probably has ran up his credit card bill and doesn't believe that you got to pay that back either. And even the idea that Sisolak thinks that Joe Biden is doing a good job and has been doing a good job is outright ludicrous. It's absolutely insane. This man has a state with less than 40% of people who think that Joe Biden is doing a good job. So he's disagreeing with 60 to 70 percent of the people in his own state. I always find it comical by the excuses that Democrats come up with. And I also find it comical that they can't let go of the January 6th event, even though they never bring up uh, all the rioting that had gone on with billions of dollars worth of damage with people who were killed and even more people who were injured. Now, there is a reason why Democrats are afraid that there is going to be a red wave. And by red wave, I mean there's a lot of spots in the Senate and in the House that are going to be switched to Republican because people are starting to wake up and realize what's actually going on. They're not buying the lies. They're not buying the excuses anymore. People are starting to realize that if I want my family to be better off, if I want myself to be better off, I need to make a change, which is what these Democrats are afraid of. Now, what they want to do is put a blanket over your head, grab your hand and and tell you, I'll lead the way. Don't worry about where we're going, even if it's straight to hell. And hell might be straight where we are going. Recently, Joe Biden has tried to persuade Saudi Arabia to change course on a decision they have made. Saudi Arabia made a decision to cut oil supply by 2 million barrels per day, which obviously isn't good for us because we now rely on other countries for energy instead of creating our own ways, which would also make it cheaper for us. But because of the policy, 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 that Joe Biden has decided to come with, come up with, we are paying more as Americans. So Saudi Arabia decided that they are going to cut supply by 2 million barrels. Joe Biden wasn't very happy about this, and Joe Biden asked them not to do that until after midterms were over. Now, if you're wondering, Brandon, why would Joe Biden ask this? Let me tell you. Joe Biden asked this because he doesn't want to look bad, even though he already looks really bad. But he doesn't want to look worse, which is exactly what's going to happen when your gas prices continue to go up, even though they are higher than Willie Nelson, right? Yes. Now, Saudi Arabia basically told him to shove it up his keister, and this made old Joe pretty angry. He threw his ice cream down, and he stomped his feet super hard. It was a pretty cool scene to see. According to CNBC, President Joe Biden is angry at Saudi Arabia for its decision to slash oil production along with its OPEC allies against U.S. wishes, and he made no secret of it. With the global economy on a knife's edge, 
and energy prices high, Washington seized the kingdom's move, which it made in coordination with Russia and other oil-producing states, as a snub and blatant display of siding with Moscow. The oil producer group in early October announced its largest supply cut since 2020 to the tune of 2 million barrels per day from November, which its members say is designed to spur a recovery and crude prices to counter a potential fall in demand. For this, Biden said in an interview with CNN on Tuesday that there would be consequences. He did not go into further detail as to what those consequences might be. But what are the Biden administration's options, and could they backfire? Let's get this right. Biden asked Saudi Arabia not to cut their supply until after midterms. They told him no, and now he's saying there's going to be consequences. As a result of this, just one day before Biden's comments, Senator Bob Mendez, chairman of Senate Foreign Relations Committee, demanded that U.S. immediately halt all cooperation with Saudi Arabia, including weapon sales, stating the United States must immediately freeze all aspects of our cooperation with Saudi Arabia, including arms sales and security cooperation beyond what is absolutely necessary to defend U.S. personnel and interests. This is so good. I'm just kidding. We're already on bad terms with many other countries now. Let's just add another one to the list. Am I right? The problem with the United States not trying to become energy independent is you run into problems like this. Okay, we rely on a lot of energy from a lot of other places. Because of the policy, 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 that Democrats want to push, all this green energy BS that doesn't actually work very well and actually causes a lot of pollution by itself, even though they won't tell you that. Because of this policy, these policies and the reversal on our own energy independence, it puts the ball in other countries' courts to take advantage of the United States and its citizens. Now, what those policies might be good for is to fill Democrats' pockets with cash and promises. But you, the taxpayer, must suffer. And because of this, Biden has started to dig into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which according to Forbes, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve has now been depleted since President Biden took office from 640 million barrels to 450 million barrels. So Biden is trying to dig into that to try to keep gas prices as low as he can for the time remaining until after midterms. It also states that the reserve is now at the lowest level it's been since 1984. That was almost 40 years ago. This man's taken it to its lowest level since 1984. If you're wondering what happens when that runs out, I have no idea. I just know that it's not very good for us, which obviously is nothing new. We've had a lot of stuff that's not good for us. And speaking of what's not good for us, we have a long list of plenty of that. Let's start out with that 100% of the time, there's a 100% chance that there's going to be a recession. <clears throat> so according to Bloomberg, the latest recession probabilities model by Bloomberg economist Anna Wong and Eliza Winger forecast a higher recession probability across all time frames with a 12-month estimate of a downturn by October 2023 hitting 100%, up from 65% from comparable periods in previous updates. So the odds of a recession is 100%. So tighten up them pockets, quit buying Starbucks. And by golly, I guess you better enjoy this ride because it's going to be rough. But some news to look forward to. Psych, just kidding, we're staying on the bad news train. According to New York Post, a more lethal strain of COVID created in Boston University lab, researchers said. Researchers at Boston University say they have developed a new COVID strain that has 80% kill rate following a series of similar experiments first thought to have started the global pandemic that began in China. The variant, a combination of Omicron and the original virus in Wuhan, killed 80% of the mice infected with it, the university said. When mice were only exposed to Omicron, they experienced mild symptoms, 
The research was conducted by a team of scientists from Florida and Boston at the school's National Emerging Infection Disease Laboratory. They extracted the spike protein from Omicron and attached it with the strain first detected at the onset of pandemic that began in Wuhan. They then documented how the mice reacted to the hybrid strain. In mice, while Omicron caused mild, non-fatal infection, the Omicron S-carrying virus inflicts severe disease with mortality rate of 80%, they wrote in a research paper. The new strain has five times more infectious virus particles than Omicron variant, researchers said. What this sounds like to me is pandemic number two. So make sure everybody gets in their fifth, sixth, all the way to 100 uh, COVID shots, even though you can still transmit the disease to other people. But don't worry, according to some, the more you get jabbed, the better off you may be. But expect more lockdowns to come. Extremely hard. Probably uh, by the next presidential election, I would imagine. Now, who in the right mind would create a super strain of COVID in the first place? There's definitely some questions. Who funded this? What were these people thinking? And how long until they release it into the public? That news is absolutely mind-boggling, and there should definitely be serious questions asked about this. And there should definitely be some people who are held accountable, unlike China was um, after releasing their strain. For those of you who are wondering how the economy is going, I'll start out with not good. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in September, the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, for all urban consumers increased 0.4% seasonally adjusted, and rose 8.2% over the last 12 months. Since last September, uh, it was it's now up 8.2%. The index for all items, less food and energy, increased 0.6% in September, up 6.6% over the year. These inflation prices are running far too fast for us to catch them, far too fast for your annual income to catch. So if you're spending money right now, I highly suggest you stop. If you have anything you could sell right now, I highly suggest you do it because as the prices of things continue to go up and people start buying less products, we're probably going to go through a stagnant time where you need to have cash on hand. And if you don't have cash on hand, people are going to start going upside down on their mortgages, on loans, on their vehicles, on really anything. So I encourage you all to be proactive and not reactive to this. As for our border, since we haven't heard from them in quite a while, just kidding, we have. Um, We have governors like Governor Abbott of Texas, Governor DeSantis of Florida, who are flying illegal aliens to these democratic cities, which Democrats like to call them sanctuary cities because according to them, they allow anybody until you get busloads of illegal immigrants who show up on their doorstep. And then all of a sudden they're not very happy about it, even though they don't care about the the border problem we currently have. And yes, it is absolutely a border problem, especially when I tell you these numbers. First, I want to back up to 2020. This was Trump's last year in office. This was when Trump's policies were in place. Policy, policy, policy. Uh, His remain in Mexico orders. So in 2020, there was 458,000 border encounters. Okay. 458,000. Remember that number. We're going to move up to 2021. 1,700,000. We'll stop there. 1,700,000 border encounters. 2022 with one month that still has to be recorded, which will probably be on average, it's been running around 200,000 per month. But with one month remaining in 2022 for calculations, we have a total of 2,150,000 border encounters. Now, if we're going to keep it on track for what it's been, which is around 200,000, we'll end September with approximately 200,000 border encounters, which would increase that to 23 
or 2,350,000 border encounters, way up from 458,000 in Trump's last year in office. Now, what's coming with this big influx? We're having increased deaths due to fentanyl coming across the border. We're having increased crime, increased homelessness. We're willing to send money to Ukraine to protect their border, but we're not willing to send it to our own to protect ours. And because of all this, I think, or I know, that people are getting fed up. People like Tulsi Gabbard, who has denounced the Democratic Party now and who has left the Democratic Party. Take a listen. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country— and I invite you to join me. Well, Tulsi, I couldn't have said it better myself, but this just shows you that people are waking up and that if you don't wake up, you go woke. And nobody really likes people who are woke. The woke are whack. And if I could just think of one more W word to throw in there, then I would, but I can't right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening again. Keep an eye out for next time. Go out and vote. Go do it. I know you might not want to, but go do it. We got to get them gas prices back down, okay? It's costing way too much to fill up my truck. Go out and vote, and when you do, I want you to say it with me. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, they're chanting. Let's go, Let's Brandon. Go Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree.